Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to Whitecap Resources' third quarter results conference call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, please press star, then the number two. I would now like to turn it over to Whitecaps President and CEO, Mr. Grant Fagerheim. You may begin your call. Thanks, Jessica. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us here today. Here with me are four members of our senior management team, our Senior Vice President and Chief Operating Officer, Ton Kang, as well as Darren Dunlop, Senior VP of Engineering, Joel Armstrong, Senior VP of Production and Operations, and Dave Mombriquet, Senior VP of Business Development and information technology. Before we get started today, I would like to remind everybody that all statements made by the company during this call are subject to the same forward-looking disclaimer and advisory that we set forth in our news release that was issued earlier this morning. We are pleased with our third quarter operating and financial results. The execution by each of our teams has been exceptional over the past year with strong corporate results proving that we have successfully integrated multiple acquisitions in all areas while also keeping focus on performance of our own base assets. Production of approximately 116,000 BOE per day on capital investments of $135 million in the quarter speaks to the asset outperformance and the capital efficiency improvements being made across the business. As outlined in our budget release two weeks ago, these capital efficiency improvements have translated into lower capital requirements moving forward and therefore higher returns for our shareholders. What we have highlighted in our press release this morning is an indication of how broad the accomplishments are across each business unit. Not only have the wells drilled in our 2021 program outperformed, but we have also enhanced and added to our inventory of high-quality drilling locations over the past nine months. Net debt at the end of the quarter was $1.3 billion, and with receiving the proceeds of $188 million from the Weyburn royalty sale and discretionary funds flow of of over $100 million in the fourth quarter, we expect to achieve our internal net debt target of $1 billion by year-end this year. I would now like to pass on to Joel Armstrong to comment on some of our health, safety, and environment results today. Thanks, Grant. The third quarter is very busy operationally with a strong capital program and our highest activity level to date at 2.2 million person hours. That said, This is one of our best quarters in the past five years and overall outstanding safety performance across our operations. Our total recoverable injury frequency rate continues to trend down, seeing all quarters in 2021 below our previous two-year average is another testament to the work put in by our operations team to ensure the safe and efficient integration of the new assets and personnel. From an ARO perspective, we cut and capped 55 wells during Q3 for a total of 196 so far in 2021. We have executed on $20 million of ARO capital year-to-date, which includes white cap and government funding. 
We are on track to meet our internal ARO budget of $10 million and have increased our 22 budget to $18 million. And I'll pass it on to Ton to comment on our financial results and outlook. Thanks, Joel. Strong quarterly funds flow of $294 million, or $0.46 cents per share, was driven by increased production and higher crude prices, with WTI averaging over $70 U.S. per barrel and Edmonton Par averaging almost $90 Canadian per barrel during the quarter. The third quarter average ACO natural gas price of $3.60 per GJ was as strong of a quarterly price as we've seen since 2014, and with our natural gas production increasing to over 170 million cubic feet per day, our natural gas production has become an increasingly material portion of our cash flows. Our third quarter realized oil and natural gas price before the impact of tariffs and hedging were $81.02 per barrel and $3.79 per MCS, which were 70% and 55% higher than the third quarter of 2020 and 16% higher than Q2 of 2021. Higher commodity prices resulted in hedging losses of $6.83 per BOE, while our average royalty rate of approximately 16% was consistent with the second quarter. Operating expenses of $13.71 per BOE and transportation expense of $2.29 were both consistent with prior quarters and our expectations. G&A expense of $1 per BOE is consistent with our historical average. We also recognize an impairment reversal of $1.9 billion or $1.4 billion after tax. The reversal was recognized across each business unit and is a result of higher forward benchmark commodity prices. We also announced a $200 million increase to our credit facility and a one-year extension to the maturity date, which is now May 31, 2026. Our Q3 net debt of $1.3 billion has been further reduced by $188 million with the closing of the Weyburn royalty sales, and as mentioned, we expect to reach our debt target of $1 billion by year-end. Our current plan is to use the increased credit facility to repay the senior notes due in January 2022, and maintain our total credit capacity at $2 billion. Our guidance for 21 and 2022 reported last week is unchanged. We expect operational momentum to continue with production averaging 118,000 BOEs per day in the fourth quarter and averaging 111,700 BOEs per day for the full year. For 2022, we are forecasting mid-case average production of 122,000 BOEs per day on capital spending of $480 million. With that, I'll pass it now back to Grant for his closing remarks. Thanks very much, Ton. With the strategic acquisitions closed earlier in the year, we are now fully integrated and the rate of change for the better on the acquired assets, both technical and financial, has been remarkable. As a reminder, our purchase price for the NAL transaction was $155 million, and through the first nine months of 2021, the assets have generated $150 million of operating income and are expected to generate $260 million annually based on our current strip pricing. The torque assets have also generated over $200 million of operating income in the first seven months and are expected to generate $360 million of operating income annually relative to the purchase price of approximately $1 billion. We must also mention that we are very excited about the kicking horse asset as we have increased production by 50% to this point from 8,000 BOE per day to 12,000 BOE per day currently. Our plan in 2022 is to ramp up production over the course of the year and expect to maintain average production 
uh, in the 18 to 19,000 UE per day range and beyond that. On strip prices, we currently project that this asset will generate $200 million of operating income in 2022 while spending $85 million of capital expenditures. With regards to the new energy initiative we put in place in late 2020, we recently announced the Memorandum of Understanding with Federated Co-op to use our carbon capture utilization and storage expertise and enhanced oil recovery project at Weyburn to assist Federated Co-op in achieving their emission reduction targets. The Weyburn asset continues to not only be very strategic as we look to advance solution for reducing greenhouse gas emissions, but also has been a very significant contributor of free cash flow for Whitecap. We purchased the property in December of 2017 and since then have generated operating income of $600 million on capital expenditures, including CO2 purchases of $170 million, including the royalty sale proceeds of $188 million. $188 million. We have recovered over 80% of the purchase price and still have significant upside remaining in the asset has a very low decline of less than 3% and a long producing reserve life index of 17 years. The Memorandum of Understanding with Federated Co-op is part of a larger strategy to develop a carbon hub in the greater Regina, Saskatchewan area with a longer term potential as a hydrogen hub. We look forward to updating our shareholders on this and other new energy initiatives as they progress. Whitecap's strategy of moderate growth, 3 to 5% per year per share, enhanced by strategic acquisitions, has been very successful to date, and we will continue to look for opportunities to enhance shareholder returns. The setup for Canadian energy, and in particular Whitecap, has not looked as strong in, year, in many years, with WHEI uh, just slightly over $80 and ACO um, at over $4 per GJ. And when combined with weaker Canadian dollar, low interest rate environment, strong capital efficiencies, this results in records, record free funds flow. On strip prices, white cap in 2022 is generating almost $900 million of discretionary free funds flow. This is after our capital program of $480 million and our base dividend of $171 million. As previously communicated, we are committed to returning 50% of our 2022 discretionary funds flow to our shareholders, with the remaining 50% being allocated uh, towards our balance sheet to build dry powder for disciplined and targeted acquisitions, as well as new energy initiatives. We remain both optimistic and excited about Whitecap's future, the returns to be generated for our shareholders, and look forward to updating shareholders on our progress. On behalf of our management team, our board of directors, we would like to thank our shareholders for your interest and support of White Cap Resources. With that, I will turn the call over to Jessica for any questions you might have. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, as stated, if you do have a question, please press star followed by one on your touchtone phone. You will hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request, and should you wish to withdraw your question, simply press star followed by two. We do ask that if you're using a speakerphone to please lift the handset before pressing any keys. Please go ahead and press star 1 now if you have a question. Your first question is coming from Patrick O'Rourke with ATV Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Oh, hey guys. Good morning. Uh, thanks for taking my call. 
uh, and question here. Um, just wanted to ask, you know, in terms of the deal that uh, or mem memorandum of understanding that you guys have with Federated Co-op, sort of what the opportunity set on the cost offset side is there that you're thinking about, like what the quantum could be for investors, and then. Um, as I as I understand it right now, your um, your carbon injection you don't receive an offset credit for that. Is there a pathway to receiving credits there, or something you can do uh, with the new energy uh, initiative to offset some of the risk in terms of a potential rising carbon tax that we have here in Canada? I'll be as concise as I can on this, Patrick, but it's a complicated. It ends up being quite a complicated answer. Number one, just regarding the memorandum of understanding, um, what we're waiting for to, to, to better understand commercial and economic terms is what the clean fuel standard is going to look like in Canada, um, where the um, investment tax credit uh, has to be established by the federal government. So as you know, as our shareholders would know, we pay for our CO2 at this particular time, and we do not receive carbon credits on the other side. So what, what you're referencing is offset credits. What we're looking for is what the investment tax credit market will look like, um, as well as what we're trying to do is minimize our cost of buying CO2 into the future. We have two contracts right now that expire in late 20, uh, 2024 and one in 2026. So the two components are offsetting the cost uh, with lower or no cost for, for taking CO2, and then what does the carbon credit market look like and what the federal government are going to do as far as offset credits. As they look to escalate carbon tax from $40 a ton today to $170 a ton, what is that going to look like on the offset credit side? So at this time, um, we're just, we think there is a, a large amount of upside, and we also believe that the low, the, the most efficient pathway to a lower carbon economy is through carbon capture uh, that we have the technology on. So uh, we're waiting anxiously, um, as I think most Canadians are, as to what uh, the carbon offset market will look like uh, going forward. Yeah, I think we all are. Um, and then just maybe shifting gears a little bit here, uh, really impressive results at CACWA on the kicking horse wells there. Um, thinking about that 43% liquids cut that you're kicking off of that, are you guys able to break down uh, sort of how much of that is really high-value condensate. Obviously, condensate prices are extremely strong right now. We had them at a premium to even Brent. Uh, and then, you know, what percentage or, or sort of marketing you're, you're doing on the NGL side of that 43%, uh, you know, as we think of that asset developing? Yeah, it's Darren here. Um, yeah, the majority of uh, of that uh, liquid volume is, is field condensate. You know, I would say over over ninety percent. And uh, as for the marketing of it, I'll pass it on to Grant. Oh, sure. So, yeah, what we're we're doing is marketing uh, at the, at this particular time into the market centers in in Alberta, um, and then. We're looking, as we grow our production, uh, we're looking for longer-term arrangements um, that we're in the market actively on at this particular time. So because it is such a new um, uh, venture for us there, both the CAR and the CACWA side, uh, we're, we're now getting substantial enough to be able to do longer-term contracting uh, for our liquids. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Thank you. 
As a reminder, ladies and gentlemen, if you do have a question, please press star followed by one on your touchtone phone. Your next question comes from Joseph Shoster of Shoster Energy Research. Please go ahead. Good morning, Grant and uh, fellows, and uh, congratulations on a very nice quarter on the integration of the acquisitions. <laughs> Great timing on that. Um, in this quarter, you did um, uh, corporate acquisitions. Uh, you did, so are you, what's your feeling now on M&A? Um, is it a, a, a seller's market? You really have to be choosy um, and things that really fit into yours. Did you see economics that are upside? And why not uh, look at uh, buying more land? Is there land available in all your core areas? I would assume land prices are very cheap and the governments would be pretty happy um, to put them up uh, and uh, have uh, more revenue coming in from that side of the coin. Yeah, thanks, Joseph, and I appreciate the acknowledgement of the transactions we had done before. Just on M&A, um, our belief is that you know when, when we're looking at M&A opportunities, um, we always look at a, a, a not the current price environment, uh, but we look at the, what the three to four year price environment and our expectation of that, uh, what that would look like. So uh, at this particular time, it's always the uh, I call it the magic of crossing over between buyer and seller expectations. Um, um, many sellers, I expect, want the, the current pricing environment, and, and uh, but the current pricing environment to us is actually a, over a three- to four-year period of time that, that we expect it to be. So um, you, you had referenced about uh, uh, land prices, and that goes back into the strategy around acquisitions. Uh, the we have a very strong inventory of opportunities. We can't even capitalize on all the opportunities we have now. So it would have to compete um, uh, on the acquisition side. It, the, they compete with our existing inventory of opportunities. So what we can do with those to, to advance forward and has to be substantial enough where we get greater returns for our shareholders and demonstrates it will be more sustainable longer term. As far as land prices, land prices have uh, come back quite markedly. Um, you know, and, and uh, you know, we look at more specifically in, in the Deep Basin and up into northern Alberta, uh, are very strong prices. Uh, so, that why I answer that in that context is we don't have to chase land sales. Um, um, we'll participate if they're in and around our existing assets, but we do not have to uh, uh, chase prices up around because we have strong enough inventories in each one of our areas. Okay, and now for somebody who's not so informed on this. Um, once we know what the uh, carbon credits are going to be, um, do you see this something that uh, gives you opportunities in uh, new areas in Western Canada for storage? Um, is this something that you could take into Eastern Canada, into the States, uh, given your technical expertise? How how far of a range of businesses should we be looking at just in Saskatchewan, Alberta, or something uh, even larger than that uh, as you take the technologies and skill sets um, elsewhere? Yeah, no, just uh, regarding carbon capture, I think it is principally focused at this time in Western Canada. Um, and what's an interesting to note, um, and uh, Eastern Canada, I'm sure, may have some opportunities. It's not uh, as uh, understood geologically um, uh, as Western Canada is, so we have a per very good understanding of where the partially depleted reservoirs are. We have an understanding where saline storage could be uh, could be effective. And what's interesting to note, and I think that uh, I think it gets missed by many in, in Canada versus the U.S. because of the 
a land tenure system in Canada with us having the majority of land owned by the Crown, and with the Crown being, whether it's provincial or federal government, majority provincial governments, um, they're much easier to put together carbon storage opportunities versus what it is in the U.S., where only about 10 to 13 percent of their lands are actually owned by Crown. The majority are owned by freeholders, where the undivided interest, there's a large undivided interest, up to 100 to 200 people on, uh, um, on a, even on a quarter section of land that, that, that participate. And that's why you're seeing many of the carbon storage projects in the U.S. that will go offshore uh, versus uh, we have the added advantage in Canada of having a Crown tenure system um, that has to be more clearly understood, including by our federal government. So um, we think that we're in very well positioned. Canadian energy producers and, and those that are in the carbon capture world have an opportunity to, uh, um, uh, to really advance this and continue to demonstrate, um, you know, the, the new technologies that are available to us and being able to be utilized in Western Canada. Super. And last one for me. Uh, you drilled 53 wells in the quarter and 109 for the first nine months. What do you see as the total well count for this year, and what's your forecast given your budget for uh, well count uh, drilling in 2022? Yeah, it's Darren here. Um, uh, let me pull these up. But I believe in our budget, in our in our budget release of last uh, last week, I guess it was 163 for the for the next year, 168 for next year, and um, and for the remainder of this year, I don't have that off the top of my head here, but it's going to be with the acceleration. Oh, there it is. Uh, acceleration is going to be 160 for this year and 124.8 net and 49. Uh, that's 49 and 38.4 net in the fourth quarter. Okay. Good. Uh, one last one for me. Sorry to push one more. Um, how do you see the cost side uh, going, and for both drilling and fracking and uh, other other inputs? And uh, what do you see um, as, the, as the, the kind of the limitations, like number of frac crews? Um, in the TriCan call, they talked about you know 27 frac crews available now, and you know is there going to be a chance to to get to 200 rigs if there is in Canada? There just isn't enough frac crews. So maybe you can give us uh, some inputs there. Joseph, you, you're one question over. <laughs> anyway, I know, no, but sorry. I asked too. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let me hand it off to Joel Armstrong of VP Operations to talk about that. Thanks. Yeah, Joseph, so uh, obviously there's been a lot of uh, uh, margin expansion of the service uh, uh, providers, and you know we recognize that early in the process. So we've, we've secured all of our critical services for the upcoming Q4 and 2020, early 2022 programs. So, all our rigs are contracted. We're aligned with our, uh, you know, our frac pumpers. We, you know, costs have returned to pre-pandemic, and now we're starting to see margin expansion uh, beyond that. So, um, you know, we don't carry current prices in our in our budget either. So, you know, we're not carrying, you know, uh, expanded capital costs either. So, uh, you know, we expect those two would balance each other out. There is a, definitely a correlation between commodity prices and uh, and service costs. Okay, super. Well, again, congratulations on uh, the great quarter and a great year, and uh, I think that compliment uh, deserves the extra question. <laughs> At this time, gentlemen, we have no other questions registered. Please proceed.
Okay. Yeah, well, thank you, everyone. Uh, first of all, I, I do want to say, uh, give a, a special shout out to uh, our valued employees for their continued efforts, um, also to our board of directors for your support and guidance um, uh, over this past year, and to everyone on the call for your continued uh, interest in Whitecap Resources. And uh, sincere thanks to all. Have a good day. Thanks very much. Thank you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, this does indeed conclude your conference call for today. Once again, thank you for attending, and at this time, we do ask that you please disconnect your lines. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.